Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. Joining me on episode 41 as co-host is a man you know on Twitter as JeppaDT. Welcome to the show, Jep. Hey, Pete. How's things? Important fine print with AFL Fantasy right now. If the AFL are headed into a condensed fixture, expect teams to move to a squad-type scenario, rotating players in and out of the team. This could also impact premium players with less impacting roles during the game. What are your thoughts there, Jep? Yeah, it's going to be very different, isn't it? Um, a lot more guys getting run through, but like it's been the story all season, we're going to have primos with um, roller coaster scores. Bench cover is crucial, Jep. Your thoughts? Oh, absolutely. 100%. Going forward, we all must have bench cover. Um, it's a non negotiable. We're at a critical point in the season, Jep. Upgrades are critical, obviously. But in order to get those premium upgrades, cash generation is required. Your thoughts? Yeah, and that really, that's sustained from the bench um, first and foremost. So um, making sure playing rookies uh, are lining up on a regular basis and, you know, we're going to have to dip with the ebbs and flows of, of these extended squads. It's, it's going to be a challenge to manage. Of the top 25 ranked coaches in round six, there was an average of 3.6 players that provided bench cover. But that cash generation is poor and slow once I've had a look at those players sitting on those benches. For those chasing those highly ranked coaches, there are plenty of opportunities to make ground in the final 11 weeks of the season, making smart, strategic decisions. Your thoughts there, Jep? Oh, definitely. It's, it goes without saying. It's all good and well for um, your starting 22 to be doing its utmost, but if you if you turn up to trades in one round and you can't do an upgrade and you're forced to double downgrade on consecutive weeks, then um, yeah, you're going to be in strife and behind the eight ball. Make sure you're following at AFL Ratings on Twitter to maintain a strong fantasy game. While your opponents are still trying to work through news and information, you're in here absolutely crushing it. If you would like a chance of scoring a plus six podcast cap, just retweet any podcast link that is sent out via Twitter. We're going to give a few more away next week, Jip. This week on episode 41, Jeppa and I will talk about key plays ahead of round seven. Keep in mind we are recording this podcast late on Tuesday night, July 14. Make necessary adjustments as news comes to hand. The podcast format will look ahead and be grouped in upcoming games. Remember, Jeppa and I are focused on on overall rank in AFL Fantasy. At times, we will certainly have differing opinions. Okay, Jeb, on episode 41, Geelong versus Collingwood, be aware the weather forecast is poor for Thursday in Perth. Okay, on to Sam Simpson. It was a nice surprise scoring 102 points last week with a break-even of minus 36. That's quite juicy for quick cash generation, Jeb. Yeah, uh, definitely on that front. But um, obviously, his role was aided by the the injury to... um Mitch Duncan. So he got a, a lot of run through the midfield thanks thanks to that. And I just can't help to think going forward what his role is going to be like. Nevertheless, we are all chasing cash at the moment. And I think he's one to grab. Just a couple of weeks worth. That's probably all you need to pick up an extra 100k there, Jep. Yeah, agreed. So it's it's with his high break in this round, we're just looking for a few weeks out of him. Brandon Parfit, the CBAs remain solid. He's an option for a forward spot, but keep in mind that Geelong midfield hasn't been settled all year. Agreed. The thing I love about Parfit is his tackle numbers, and he's still getting amongst the goals every now and then too. Patrick Dangerfield. He scored a season-high 102 points last week. He's still cheap at 732k, and with a break-even of 67 jet. 
loving him as an underpriced premium. And um, with you know the business end of the season coming up, he, he's going to start putting his foot down. So wouldn't expect a, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Sorry, in a spike in scores. Sam Menegola, he's averaged 95.7 points from his last three games. The 685k price tag is about right for me with his previous volatility, Jip. Yeah, it comes back to what you're saying before about those Geelong mids running through and what what actual um, role they have. And Menegola, to me, is a risk, um, but he has been playing well to his credit. On to Adam Trelaw. He's averaged 98 points for me his opening two games of his season. He's still a unique option, but that's a healthy upgrade at 847k, Jep. Yeah, it's a lot of cash to be giving up, although, you know, arguably he's worth it and um, he'll give you the return. It's it's more the strategy going forward um, in, in planning your next four trades and not necessarily two trades. Brody Grundy, a season low 53 points last week, but with little repeat centre bounces due to a low scoring game, that was probably the cause there, Jep. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, it's it's Grundy we're talking about, so there's no real concern. Yeah, the Hawks played a keepings off brand last week as well, so Brody Grundy couldn't really get into it there. But anyway, a season low score of 53 points there. Taylor Adams, Jep, he's owned by 52% of the top 25. For those in a chasing group, he should be ruled out as a target for me to maintain a point of difference. Your thoughts there? Oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more with that comment. And um, look, I think there's a lot lot of better place mids about better than Adams. Steel side bottom. He's available at round nine and has to be in the instant upgrade. The problem is here, Jep, is he's 800k, which is a massive upgrade for those with little cash generation. Your thoughts there? Yeah, it's pretty much saved now and playing those trades, I suppose. Um, forward status makes all the difference. Jack Crisp. Such a disappointing return for owners here, Jep, this season. The Magpies just aren't holding onto the ball in the back line enough this year. Yeah, one of the, well, arguably one of the most um, poor performed primos in 2020. So, look, he's still capable, um, and you know, at any turn he can he can jack those scores back up. Essendon versus Western Bulldogs. Andrew McGrath. Those CBAs remain high. He's underpriced compared to premium mids, and just as much work inside the midfield, Jep. He's playing very, very well. I like the, what he's doing, um, both in footy and fantasy. Devin Smith. He's seen a spike in CBAs with Merritt and Stringer out recently. Those scores might roll in for a while yet, Jep. Yeah, definitely. Um, but again, there's just that many forwards on, on hand. I think Devin Smith's down the picking order. Jordan Ridley. He's still reasonably priced at 606k. He's averaged 76.7 points from his last three games. He's a cheaper type upgrade in defence. Your thoughts there, Jeb? Yeah, and, and there's not too many primos putting their hand up in defence, to be honest. So that's that's a reasonable move, I think. Mitch Hibbert, he was solid last week with 66 points. He's another option in that midfield group, Jeb, with a break-even of minus seven. Yes, so injuries around to Essendon are going to help Hibbert hold his place in the team, and I think he's he's been he'll he'll be great going forward now that he's comfortable at AFL level again. And for team changes as well, Dylan Shield has been suspended. 
at the tribunal tonight for two weeks, so that uh, sort of retains his position in that team for Hibbert. So it should be pretty strong, his job security. On to Bailey Smith for the Bulldogs. He was excellent last week coming off concussion with huge minutes in that midfield. He's too cheap at 563k, Jeff. Can you believe it? Wow. Yeah, it's <laughs> those who don't have him must jump on. <laughs> it's a no-brainer. Jack McRae. He's averaged 84.5 points from his last two games. We're yet to see a stack of ceiling games in 2020, Jeb, and he remains unique option against highly ranked teams. Yeah, uh, look, I think w- I wouldn't be surprised again if he if his scoring output increases. So um, I think his tackle numbers have been down this year. So hopefully a bit more focus on that, and he can get that jump, get those extra 20 points again. Tim English. The breakout is happening right in front of our eyes, Jeff, with an average of 89.8 points from his last four games. At 682k, he's an alternative to the big guys. Your thoughts? Yeah, definitely. Um, loving what I'm seeing from his football. And it's, yeah, he's literally growing in front of our eyes. So the Bulldogs got a good one. Lockie Hunter. He smashed their 104 points in his return from suspension. The Oh Your Team narrative might be in play here, Jeff, at 734k. Yeah, and again, that, I still think that's reasonably priced at the moment um, for a primo mid and, and, a, and definitely a point of difference. So got plenty of it, um, as he does on the wing, and he runs hard. So, um, look, I think not for me and not for many, but not not the worst move in the world. Latham Vandermeer, he's at 367k with still a minus seven break even. This is the last week to grabbing, but you're banking on that average of 74 in the last two weeks, maintaining through the next period, Jep? Yeah, I think he's just growing in confidence week by week, um, and especially um, the two weeks ago just before he got a concussion was the best I've seen him play. So he's, um, his potential is, is exponential, and he's high on the agenda for many. JWS versus Brisbane. News today, Callum Ward will be sidelined for four to six weeks with a knee injury. On to Stephen Cornelio. He got served a public rocket through the media this week. I think it may be a good week to be a Canelio owner, Jeb. Yeah, he's hoping. Um, but yes, look, he needs to respond. And he's a proud person, as we know, and a very competitive footballer. So it's a matter of time. He's not going to be down for too much longer. Lockie Whitfield. He's averaged 99 points from his last three games. There is nothing much to think about here, Jeb. If you don't own him, it is get him in ASAP. Yeah, it's nice to have a Prima actually doing what they're supposed to do. So um, exactly, get him in if you don't have him. Nick Haynes, he's averaged 9.5 marks from his last four games. He's the number one ranked player in the AFL with 8.7 marks this season. A definite target here, Jep, for non-owners. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, he probably copped a little forward tag as well um, against Port. Mm. So... um, He's attracting the attention of opposition coaches because of his style of play and, and how damaged he is, he is on the ground. So, um, yeah, definitely um, pushing for top six defender status. Yeah, he got there last week, but those scores did come in late. Okay, on to Tim Taranto. He's a decent chance to return this week on schedule. There could be a shake-up in that Giants midfield, Jep. Yeah, and he's hoping it sort of frees up Cornelio, um, as strangely as that sounds. I, I, I think to, having Taranto by Cornelio's side is definitely going to help him um, in the hustle and bustle of the um, contested footy. So, 
yeah, let's wait and see, and um, it's, it's just a matter of when. Yeah, don't mind those thoughts right there. Lockie Neal, he's extremely high owned in those top-ranked coaches. Owners would be loving the 956k price tag, Jeff. Can you believe it's that high? Non-owners are waiting for Matt DeBoer this week. Your thoughts? <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was waiting for you to mention DeBoer. Yeah, it's it's coming. So let's see how Neil responds. And look, we I think non-owners are just hoping he's going to um, falter. But Lockie Neal might still punch out an 80-plus with a hard tag. So I'm not ruling that out by any stretch. Yeah, it's quite clearly. I don't know, Neil. It's quite tilting that he's pumping out their scores each week. But we can only hope, Chip. <laughs> That's it. All right, under Brandon Stasevich, job security concerns are an issue, but more importantly, he's maxed out in salary at 381k. Jep, your thoughts? And his um, t- spot on the side is definitely shaky after some critical turnovers last week in the game. So I would not be surprised if Stasevich has dropped this week. Yeah, as soon as Stasevich had that turnover in the back line last week, uh, you were on my Twitter feed and you just popped up with rage. <laughs> so it was quite evident when you see you see where uh, he stands this week. Okay, on to the final one for Brisbane. Jared Berry, he's, he's crushing it this year. He had another solid score of 84 points last week. He's at 683k and averaged 91 points, running at a decent rate through that midfield, Jep. Yeah, and I think this is the start of another breakout from a young AFL player. Yep. Um, he's he's really got all the tools um, in a footy sense and a fantasy sense, and I love the way he attacks a footy. So, yeah, he's definitely one. If you can think, if, if you're confident he can be consistent from here on in to the rest of the season, then definitely grab him. On to Sydney versus Gold Coast. Josh Kennedy and Isaac Kenny are long-term injuries for the Swans. We're going to see a shake-up in that midfield in the short to medium term. Callum Mills, okay. He stayed at home in defence in round six. The Tigers just kept giving him the ball as an intercept marking defender chip. Yeah, they really did, and he, he, he just lollied it up. So, look, I, I'm expecting him to move into the midfield now um, with, with their current injury list. So it's, um, it's a positive for Mills, and... Look, there's no reason why we all, or those seeking a point of difference, can't jump on right now this week. Yeah, there's definitely a shake-up coming. What it is going to be, I'm still not too sure. But yeah, Mills has the potential to move in that midfield with Kennedy going out. Florent will start the spike. Rowbottom will start the spike. Parker will still be in there, but he moved forward last week. Um, they've got some massive injury concerns, Sydney, and expect a lot of volatility and new roles going forward. On to Dylan Stevens. He was elite on a wing in the opening half on Sunday. I think this is a smash play here, even at 288k, Jep. He'll provide a decent on-field scoring option for coaches. Yeah, um, and with some injuries, obviously his, his job security is um, aided. So, yeah, definitely agree with those comments. Um, just remembering young players, they you know, swings and roundabouts, they can have some lollipop scores and... Um, consistency is a big issue. Chad Warner, he played mainly across the half-forward line last week. He's an inside midfielder type that may get an opportunity to play through that midfield with no JP Kajip. Yeah, I think he'll he'll be in there in, in snippets. He won't um, have too much of a permanent role, but they're definitely expecting um, in there for um, you know time on sort of play. Jake Lloyd at 761k and that ceiling, he's definitely a target right now, Jep. Yeah, definitely. It's 
it's another prima that's actually doing their job. So I've um, been happy with Jack Lloyd's performances for most for the most part of the year anyway. Isaac Rankin, how about that first goal? I nearly fell off my chair. What a debut game. The talent is not even a question. The option as a forward trading target at 204k and a break-even of minus 12 is very juicy, Jep. The second goal wasn't too bad either. The third goal um, was his favourite. <laughs> yeah. Look, it, um, it was great, wasn't it? And, um, and really good for the Gold Coast Suns and their development and their confidence in their young group. Um, but, yeah, fantasy-wise, look, I think... You know, Rankin's going to draw some attention at being a goal sneak. So I think there's other rooks in play that are sort of high on the priority list anyway. Okay, on to Hugh Greenwood. He smashed out an average of 106 points from his last two games. Can we now assume the volatility in scores will disappear yet? No, we can't assume that, but he's definitely hungrier than what he was in the first few rounds. And again, I think it comes down to being more comfortable with your teammates and the game plan of his new side. So um, definitely value still. Okay, as it stands right now, his spike in scoring has aligned to that Matthew Rail injury. So we'll just see how that is going forward. On the corner, Butterick. The cash generation has slowed down, Jep. At 338k, he can now be down greater, Jep. Yeah, definitely. He's done his job. Thanks, Connor. Noah Anderson. There's still cash to be generated here, Jep, but those new rookies can make it a lot faster. Your thoughts? Yeah, look, I think we push the button on, um, or owners push the button on Anderson as well, really. Um, we've had some pretty mediocre scores from Anderson from throughout the year, so it's 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 wise to to pick up those in form and a lot cheaper. Richmond versus North Melbourne. Dustin Martin, he's down at 642k and will be cheaper in a couple of weeks. We can just wait here for a little bit, Jeb, and see how he plays out scoring-wise. Yeah, it's um, it's really surprising. I thought he would be gunners to get into the to the midfield with their injury problems as well. So, but that wasn't to be. Really surprising from Dusty. Um, I, I, I see it as a red flag, to be honest. Yeah, there weren't many centre bounces last week. He did attend most of them, but he played forward for a lot of that game. And the other issue was it actually just poured with rain, so I wouldn't take much out of that game on Sunday against the Swans. Okay, on to Jaden Short. With no Hawley in the game for the Tigers, he's the guy accumulating numbers in defence. It would be a minimum six more games without Hawley. Short is 605k, Jep. Yeah, it's a good good point. Great value pickup. Um, and definitely one to watch. I, from the I've noting and watching short in the past, he again, it's about inconsistency for me, and I think you actually provide that going forward. On to Kane Lambert, an average of one hundred and two point five points in the last two weeks. He was used at a high rate at CBAs last week in round six and should remain in the midfield for quite a while. He's at 596k jeb as a forward love love the theory and, and and love all those um juicy numbers but our options in the forward line are just bursting at the same so look he's at the bottom of the pecking order for me on to marley and pickett he's not turned into the fantasy scorer that we thought he might be jeb he's averaging 45 points this season and should be moved on to other rookies yeah, other rookies are putting their hand up um, with the higher cash generation, so definitely. Curtis Taylor, he's been cleared of any facial fractures, but there goes all of our cash generation, Jep. 
he instantly has a break even of 43 points. And he can. We all know that he can probably hit that. Um, and he and I would back him to hit it. So I'm not pushing the trade button yet, mate. Joy Simpkin, the midfield usage is strong. He's 88 percent owned in that top 25 for good reason, Jep. Yeah, dominating. Um, and it's it's a joy to watch. Probably the we keep springing up the those players are having a breakout year, and he's probably the most improved um, this season. Under Todd Goldstein, he's averaged 103 points from his last five games. That's over 10 points per week ahead of Grundy Jep, and that was pretty much the damage done on the weekend. Yeah, absolutely amazing um, from Goldstein, and well done to those who um, picked him up. And I, I bet, yeah, there's a lot of coaches in the top 25 with him at uh, R1 or R2. On to Carlton versus Port Adelaide. Patrick Cripps is available to play in round seven, according to Carlton today. On to Mark Pitnett. The cash generation has now dried up. Owners will have a tough upgrade or they need to cash out pretty much shortly, Jep. Yeah, he's still the number one rocket Carlton, so it's not the end of the world, but he does look tired and um, not, not so light on his feet anymore. Okay, on to Sam Doherty. An aggressive game plan last week by David Teague removed those critical plus sixes for Doherty owners. It's not that much of a concern with an extremely high ownership, Jep. No, he's he's fine. It's look, I've been more worried not having him. Um, regardless of what his output is, he's been one of the best um, again primos for the season. So, no concerns. Yeah, if he scores low, everyone's got him. If he scores high, everyone's got him. It's not much difference. Okay, on to Matthew Kennedy. He returned and played an inside mid role in round six. There are probably better options with Rankin etc. in that forward line. But it's worth keeping an eye on, Jep. Yeah, I see this as a potential cash grab, personally. Um, he's pretty cheap and, and forward only. And, look, I, I think, you know, probably in line for the um, round 12 dual position status if he keeps playing. So there's a lot to like about Kennedy. Brad Ebert, he's suspended for round seven and will not play. Okay, Jep, on to Dan Houston. He was back in the midfield last week. The power looked far more dynamic. Those scores should be decent for the short term. Your thoughts? Yeah, agree. He looked, the port as a side looked a lot better with him in, and he, he was arguably one of his best games last week. On to Travis Boke. He was down on Sunday. Power coach Ken Hinckley didn't hesitate shifting around that midfield mix for the betterment of the team. So this is just something to keep an eye out, is that Hinckley is moving those midfield players in and out. So... We could get some volatility within that midfield for Port Adelaide, Jep. Yeah, we probably experienced that already with um, Dan Houston pushing back um, and, and in the middle time and time again. So, yeah, that's that will continue on for all players. Hawthorne versus Melbourne. Chad Wingard. Those CBAs have dried up significantly, Jep, and so have those fantasy scores. Your thoughts? Yeah, he's on the decline, unfortunately. Um, still got plenty of talent and potential. Um so it's not, look, it's not the end of the world, but um, yeah, the return's not there at the moment. James Sicily, the Hawks played sideways football last week, but his ability to stay at home as a marking intercept defender was clearly noteworthy, Jep. Yeah, he played great, um, but we all know that, you know, sick dog, as he's commonly known as, can um, disappoint. So I'll be staying well clear. Okay, on to Tom Mitchell. Season high 102 points for Mitchell last week against the Magpies. Hopefully for owners, he can continue that form, Jep. 
yeah, he turned up and we all loved it. And it was probably a bit late in in um, in expectation, but nevertheless, he looks, you know, getting better each week. And you know, he turned up with only one tackle. I just want to add that point. Will Day, he was very solid across half back on debut last week. Definitely an option as a defender downgrade, Jeff. Absolutely. One of the um, rooks from last week that looked the most comfortable. And um, yeah, he's a player of the future, definitely. Christian Petrarca, those centre bounces dropped a little bit in round six, but he was able to still get it done moving forward, Jeff. Yeah, he's still having the impact on the game, isn't he? He um, Wherever he's playing, he's still active, um, even at the half-forward line. So he's turned a corner, I think, and his confidence is sky high. On to Max Gorn. He's averaged 114.5 points from his last four games. That's a concern for non-owners. That price tag now sits at 922k, Jep. Yes, Maximus is doing what he does best and, um, you know, not pushing Grundy for the number one ruck spot at the minute. Um, so, yeah, the, the, again, he, he looks really fit too, and I don't think there's going to be any issues going forward. He's now overtaking Grundy in price, so interesting to see where some coaches with their one or the other have benefited from that price flip. Okay, on to Harley Bunnell. The scoring needed to generate quick cash is just not there for me, Jeff, this year. A quick swap this week is required to other options. Your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. And I look, he, he was never really an option initially on on field because of his injury concern, he's that risk, and he's an impact player too. You know, he only needs 10, 15 possessions to to be dynamic and, and do his job. So he's not an accumulator, um, and yeah, I'd move him on. Fremantle versus West Coast. That Fife is questionable with hamstring tightness for round seven. Okay, on to Andrew Brayshaw. With more responsibility, those scores have increased. He's averaged 96.5 points from his last two games, Jep. Yeah, doing really well. Um, and I think, again, he's turned the corner and um, Longmuir's given him that bigger role and he's taken it with both hands. On to Hayden Young. We got a glimpse of Young and his fantasy capabilities, Jep. But now he's out for a little bit at a minimum and a decision to move him on is probably required. Yeah, look, it's depending on how long he's out for. It's, um, it still could be a bench warmer option if it's a short-term injury because of his potential. Yeah, hopefully we get some updates before round seven starts this week on the term, on the length of the Hayden Young injury. Okay, on to Caleb Sarong. With limited game minutes, the scores are still ticking over. Hopefully his game time percentage can increase, Jet. Yeah, and I think it will. And again, if we look at how Hayden Young started, he, you know, he was it was softly, softly, and he was sort of managed through it his first few games. And that the same thing's happening with Sarong. So I'm expecting a spike. He's certainly got an appetite for the contest for me. Okay, on to Michael Walters. He's been used at a high rate at CBAs in the last couple of weeks with five issues. Your thoughts? Yeah, that continues. He's the best kick in that team, as far as I'm concerned, and um, that will continue, and he'll get plenty of the ball. It's a different dynamic into that midfield at Fremantle, Jeff, yeah? Yeah, for sure. You know, they got the hard nuts, um, like Brayshaws and, and the Fifes, um, and Mundy as well, but they need the class and the delivery inside 50, and that's where Walters comes in. On to Luke Ryan. He's down at 545k, but I don't quite see enough here yet, Jeff, for me. Plus, the Dockers have had injury issues down back, which keeps altering that defensive mix. Your thoughts? 
Yeah, agreed. I think Ryan's definitely got all the tools to be a great um, fantasy player, but um, it's just too many unknowns. And, and Wilson, Nathan Wilson, that is, takes a bit of his thunder away. Andrew Gaff, back-to-back tags have been far from ideal. Interestingly, West Coast won both games. Both teams who decided to tag are actually going quite poorly this year. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, but he's on Gaff especially, we know he's come back to uh, up the stadium and he'll do his best work. So just wait and see, guys. It's, it's coming. Okay, on to Dom Sheed. He's averaged 102 points from his last two games. He's getting plenty of ball through that midfield and out on a wing jet. Yeah, loving, um, or Sheed's the beneficiary of not having Shuri around, so that's the uh, net effect. On to Brad Shepard. He's averaged 87 points from his last two games, Jep. He sets up well and he's being highly used across that half-back line. Jep, I actually like this pick of Brad Shepard. Oh, look, yeah, there's crazier moves, but not for me, mate. Um, You know, his role is purely half-back. I think someone like a Lockie Weller who's moved into midfield is far more appealing. Okay, on to Jack Redden. His CBAs were impacted with the inclusion of Tim Kelly this year. Shuri is on the radar to return. It's definitely a pass here for me, Jep. Yeah, agreed. Couldn't, um, can't see Redden and getting in the thick of it. On to St Kilda versus Adelaide. At the Adelaide Oval, good to see footy returning to South Australia. Just a quick note here, Jep. The Crows have clearly changed their game style recently after getting smashed in the early rounds. They're definitely holding on to the ball a lot more. Yeah, look, it's different game style and it's a fantasy appealing game style isn't it for sure okay on to Brody Smith he's one of those that has benefited from that change in game style he's enjoyed the move back to defence he's averaged 82 points from his last four games Jip yeah I think that will continue as well so those that held Brody um, are quite smug Andrew McPherson he's a decent trade down target at 190k Jep, he was solid on debut last week yeah, very serviceable um, in a football sense and fantasy sense. So he ticks the boxes. Riley O'Brien, he's been exceptional as solo ruck. He's an option for those pitnet owners looking to upgrade at 762k, Jep. Yeah, I don't mind that move. I don't mind that move at all um, with, with Grundy on the decline in the next couple. So, yeah, good, good thought. Matt Crouch, he's averaged 89.5 points since being dropped. He's now down at 704k, Jep. Any chance? No, not for me. I've um, I got plenty ahead of the Crouch brothers. Hunter Clark. An average of 42.5 points from his last two games is certainly concerning for owners. Time to use his money elsewhere, I think, Jep. Yeah, definitely. Um, still, again, probably consistency is his biggest problem um, and staying in the games for as long as he possibly can. On to Jade Gresham. The numbers in the midfield are there, but not his scoring. Time to move him on for owners, Jep. Yeah, agreed. He, um, like, yeah, he's, he's in amongst it, but I'm um, not getting his hands on it enough. Max King. He's just about maxed out in price, pardon the pun. A nice cash out to Rankin could be the move here, Jep. Yeah, I think that'll be a popular move. Um, one of the highest um, trades this week. So, yeah, not, um, yeah, not um, out of the ordinary. Rowan Marshall, a poor return last week of just 53 points in what was what I thought was a good matchup. Hopefully Saints coach Brett Ratton can hold him as solo ruck. Jep. 
Yeah, I think that will. I think that they look better with that extra runner um, and the way St Kilda want to play, which is more of a run and gun style of game. Yep, I agree with that. Definitely. Okay, we're going to run through some top 25 ranked coaches and ownership numbers now, Jeb. I'm going to go through each position and get your thoughts on one or two players that are highlighted for you. Okay, defenders, top 25 ranked coaches. Doherty, 100%. Houston, 76%. Starsevich, 44%. Lloyd, 44%. Young, 32%. So that's going to go again to zero next week. And Nick Haynes at 32%. What stands out for you right there, Jep? Well, it might be two fourth trades there with um, Starkovich and Young. Mm. So that's that puts, you know, 30% plus in, in a pickle. And um, so, yeah, I expect moving in the top 25 as a result. Okay, on to the midfielders. Lockie Neal at 84%. Tom Mitchell, 84%. Andrew McGrath, 60%. Jack Varney, interestingly, still at 52% and strong in that in those highly ranked teams. Taylor Adams, 52%. Lockie Whitfield, 40%. He's also in the midfield. I'll get to those numbers shortly. Caleb Sarong on field last week was 32%. Marlene Pickett on field last week was 32%. And Stephen Canelio, 32%. Jeb. Hmm, very, so I think the easiest move to make is try to get Pickett on your bench or, or trade it out and, and move a Sam Simpson-like and, and um, hope for those high point returns. On to the rucks. Quite interesting numbers here, Jeb. Mark Pittnett, 72%, a highly ranked. Brody Grundy, 36% just. Max Gorn, 36%. Todd Goldstein, 36%. Riley O'Brien, 8%. There's your point of difference right there, Jeb. Yeah, and um, look, the pit net move is another um, potential game changer. So, well, there's a lot of decisions for um, those highly ranked coaches, and yeah, they've got some, some work to do. Yeah, again, I'll go back to what we spoke about earlier in the podcast, is that pit net owners to up to uh, O'Brien, you're looking at over 200K, and, and if you're going up to the big, big guys, uh, even if you consider Goldstein in there and, and you go Grundy and Gorn, you're looking at 400k. And when I've looked again after I've looked at all these benches in the top 25 and 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 what sort of cash generation they got, it's actually quite poor. So I don't think they can get there. So you know if there's any issues with Pitnet going forward uh, or even just an upgrade. I mean you've got side bottom coming in and you've got other premium upgrades that need to be made. It's going to be uh, a little bit of hell for the short term for those Pitnet owners, Jep. Yeah, I, I think that's um, a well summarised um, look ahead. So yeah, let's um, let's wait and see of what pans out. But the obvious move and the note, the force move is probably O'Brien. Okay, on to the ownership of Grundy and Gorn, Jeb. There is only one coach in the top 25 that owns that combo. Your thoughts? That just astounds me. It really astounds me, that. That is a very, very interesting stat. Um, and it's obviously um, utilising cash elsewhere. Definitely, uh, but it is unique. So those coaches mm-hmm. who are on the outside chasing these guys the top of the leaderboard if you have the Gorn and Grundy combo uh, you're on a somewhat unique path okay onto top 25 ranked coaches now we're looking at the forwards Christian Petrarca 96% Bailey Smith 76% 
Jai Simpkin, his total was 88%, and in the midfield it's 20%, and in the forward line it is 68%. So again, they're 88% owned for Simpkin in that top 25. Uh, we go on to Curtis Taylor at 68%, so most of, most coaches in those highly ranked teams copped that Taylor poor score on the weekend. Andrew Brayshaw, who has been crushing it recently, is 64%. Lockie Whitfield, 72% total and just 32% in the forward line. So, which is quite strange there. He's more owned in the midfield than what he is in the forward line in that top 25. And Chad Wingard at 24%. Jep, what players stand out to you right there? Um, I think a lot of it's self-explanatory. And if, if there's been any line in fantasy this season that's been the most reliable and getting the best return, it's the forward line. So, um, Petrarca and Simpkin, self-explanatory. Surprisingly, Walters isn't amongst that discussion, um, and that could be a, a difference um, going forward for that last upgrade or two for those top-ranked coaches. Okay, Jeppa, and I will return next week for episode 42. The podcast schedule for the remainder of the season is for it to land late on Tuesday nights. Jep, that's it for episode 41. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Thanks, guys.